Hello and welcome to Screen Babble, your guide to what to watch. We'll be tuning into hours and hours of TV so we can tell you what you need to be switching on and what's to be avoided. I'm your host, Kelly Crichton, and once again this week, I'm joined by Alex Moreland and Stephen Ross, our resident TV critics, who will keep you right on the road to viewing pleasure. In addition, this week, we're joined by Heather Carrick, digital journalist with National World, to talk about what we've all been waiting for, the return of the villa doing bits, mugging off, getting pied, and I got a text! It's Love Island, people! (laughs) Look, the excitement's just dripping off you, my God. If you've tuned in before each week, we'll be chatting about what we're watching, as well as looking more closely at a new programme or something making the headlines. And finally, we go back to the future to tell you about a programme you might have missed when it first aired or streamed. Today, Oat Studio from Netflix. Stephen, is that right? It's on Netflix, yeah. Is in the spotlight, so we'll get that to that a little bit later. Hello again, everybody. I'm going to guess Love Island wasn't on the cards for you guys, but something we all watched this week was Netflix top tenor Kaleidoscope. And the reason I think we decided to have a little focus on this this week is because they have supposedly a new sort of uh, manner in which you can watch a series. Even though it's a limited series, you don't have to watch it in any sort of particular chronological order. The episodes are named in colours. So we all decided, right, let's take an episode and watch it and see what we think of the programme so far. Alex got a bit overexcited, watched more than one, but that's fine. (laughs) That's his job after all. Professionalism and dedication. (laughs) So, Stephen, what what colour was your episode and what did you think? Mine was red, which happened to be the shortest episode. Oh, yeah. lucky you. That panned out quite well. Um, it was all right. Like, I I was sort of aware that because you can watch it in any order you want, every episode there's going to be this bit where they're like, oh, hi, the main leader yeah. of our gang. How are mm. you? To, like, set it mm. up. And then it'd also end a bit, like, with a sort of panning shot of a blue ocean. But... <laughs> It was a bit sort of confused at the start. The first sort of ten minutes of the episode was a bit like, "Well, what, what's really going on here?" Like, so mm. Red is set after the heist, um, and they sort of think that someone's betrayed somebody, and then some characters that you don't really know come in and start shooting, and some of the characters that you don't really know are getting shot at, and you sort of think, "Oh, I hope they don't get." Shot, but I'm not really sure why. Who they are? Are you not sure who um, they are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then by the end, I sort of got into a little bit more, a little bit more invested. But then it ended um, with this sort of like, because each episode could be la- watched last. Each episode sort of has to end with like a bit of a sort of thing. Yes. So then there's no like push to watch another episode because it's already sort of wrapped. Well, that's interesting because I didn't feel that way okay. at the end of my episode. I think, Alex, that's probably what happened with you too because we both accidentally watched Yellow first and I did want to skip into the next episode to see how it differed or compared, you know, to the first episode and to see what point at what point in time was it set. So Yellow was set six weeks before the heist, yeah. if I'm right. And then Green, which was the next one I got. Seven years Was it Green? Yeah. Yeah. Seven years. Seven years before the heist. So I only watched like two minutes of it because I was like, oh, okay. Just to see, as I say, like how they can kind of, how it felt with the next episode. And like seemed okay. 
And very similar to you, Stephen, I kind of was like at the start, right, okay, right, right, right. And by the end of it, I was a little bit more invested, all right. In the middle of it, I was just like, mm. not sure about this. And it is your very stereotypical get the gang together to do a heist thing. Like, you know, the, the yeah. we need this guy, we need that guy, we need to convince that guy to come back and do the job. You know, it's very, very heist stuff by numbers like you know yeah considering how innovative it's supposed to be with like the format and everything it is also the most cookie cutter heist series you could you could watch totally but um and i i only maybe recognized one or two of the actors in it i didn't recognize a lot of them but anyway alex what was your take on it? it um i i found it quite superficial i think um mainly because like you said, it is quite sort of by the numbers cookie cookie cutter heist stuff. Mm. Um, so I was mostly watching it to see what the kind of non-linear random order aspect was like. I don't think it really meaningfully adds to it or accentuates it because because it is always fairly self-contained. Mm. Um and and I'd I'd been kind of dubious already because I because in all of their press releases they were like oh yeah you can watch it in any order but the last episode always comes last the white episode the heist that has I to didn't be know that I didn't know yeah, that that's interesting yeah in in theory if because Netflix like randomizes it mm. for everyone including us who got the same order but mm. um, it yeah yeah so it all in theory leads into this one episode but in it it doesn't really distinguish itself from just like an anthology show where you mm. can watch it in any mm. order. It's not actually that interrelated. Um, and after a while, it starts to feel like like, like a procedural, like a heist yeah. procedural where, um, you know, if you are watching like The Good Wife or Law and Order, you don't actually have to watch them all in order. Yeah, you yeah. You can yeah. skip around a bit. Yeah, yeah. And it starts to take on that feel. Mm. Um, and it felt very just kind of straightforwardly plot based it never you know the characters are all fairly not particularly well defined yeah, yeah. very flat mm. um i mean it, it's fine the heist stuff is reasonably competently done and mm-hmm. i liked that um the each episode like is named after the color but the color palette of that episode reflects it yes yeah, so so i was like thinking the, that as well yeah, yeah in the prison all their uniforms are green that kind of thing mm-hmm. um but it's fine. It, it feels predictable. I feel like I've kind of worked out where it's going, mm. even in the order that I watched it in. Uh, but yeah, kind of skipping back and seeing, oh, that person in the background of that scene is also in the background of that scene. It's, yes, okay. It, it didn't. It didn't really like make me feel like I was I was watching some brand new evolution of the form. Yeah, yeah. It's a clever. It's a clever gimmick, and it's a good yeah. way of. And we're all talking about it here, aren't we? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So what, are you going to finish it? Are you going to keep watching it? Probably not. Yeah. I'm not sure either. Yeah. I mean, I think it's another four episodes that I would have. Seven Um, altogether, is it? Seven or eight? Yeah, seven Mm. colours and then white. Okay. Um, But yeah, it's, it's fine. That, that's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, it <laughs> Me and my much. awful threshold yeah. of I want three episodes of everything next. But <laughs> towards the end, when I was watching the um, the orange one, I did have you know like chess open in another tab. Oh, did you using those games? Yeah. Oh no! Oh my god! It was oh. You could have been watching Love Islands on the on another device at the same time. 
Okay, all right. Well, meow. So, me is the fine. response. Yeah, Mid. fine. Fine if you've nothing else to watch. Yep. And I suppose it is worth investigating it and seeing yeah. how they did it, you know. Um. So, yeah. Okay, cool. What else then? What else has everybody been watching? Stephen, tell me. I watched um, <clears throat> Britain's Most Notorious Prisons, the first episode um, on ITVX, which was set okay. at Strange Ways. Is this new? Is this new, new? New, new. Yeah. Is this new, newish? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a new new series, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just a d- documentary about um, Strange Ways Prison. Mm. And it was good, but visually it was just very bland. So it was, you know, a few interviews with um, sort of officers and former prisoners and things and then a lot of like archive footage mm. and news footage and it, I, I think it would have been just as good as a podcast like I would have rather just listened to it okay. and watched it because watching it didn't really add anything mm. particularly but it was like I guess eye-opening I sort of already had my preconceptions about what prisons are and especially where like in the 70s and 80s mm. and it basically just confirmed that yeah mm-hmm. like there was rampant you know mm. sort of racism and corruption within the guards and it was just a really bad place to be but it, like I think definitely eye-opening to sort of hear the prisoners and some of the former guards talk about how sort of messed up the the system was and was it about um like the 70s and 80s or specifically or just general overview? Well, yeah, so it looked at the Strange Ways Prison Riot, which was the, I think, 1990 or 91. But, it yeah, it sort of looked at uh, mostly the history of um, the prison in that sort of era when there was sort of huge issues with uh, sort of racism within the police force and basically just, like, them using sort of racist language towards prisoners to try and, like, bait them into getting angry yeah it was a bit you know gritty to watch it was a mm. bit bit heavy i think it was obviously supposed to be but uh i think i would have just preferred it as a podcast rather than something to sit down and, and dedicate an hour to to watch well podcasting is obviously a much superior genre to television yeah. so you know absolutely <laughs> uh alex what have you been watching uh a few few different things mm-hmm. um I watched Maternal, which started on ITV the other day. Yes. Um, it's a medical drama about um, three three doctors who have been on maternity leave. They've been off for sort of a while. One of them's been off for two years, so she missed kind of the bulk of the pandemic. And it's about them sort of returning to work. It's good. I enjoyed that. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of good, solid medical drama. Um, mm. uh, yeah, that's, yeah, enjoyed that. Cool. Uh, I finished Slow Horses, uh, really? second series, mm-hmm. which I think is now the show we've spoken about most on, Probably. on here. Yep, uh, moving along. Big, yeah, big fans. <laughs> um, and I did, I, I finally sat down and managed to start uh, Happy Valley. I'm just so, so happy for yeah. you, Alex. I'm so happy well, you for you. You don't know you. what I'm about to say about it. Oh, but I don't care. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, mostly what I realised is, like how little I knew about it, like mm. all of the um, sort of the Steve Pemberton stuff, I had no idea that was um, mm-hmm. like part of it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watched, yeah, the first two episodes in a row. Probably would have watched the third if I'd started it earlier in the night. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm enjoying it. Interested to yeah. see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Probably be caught up for the finale, hopefully. 
Yeah, fingers crossed. Well, you know, big recommendation from uh, a lot of people on that one. So hopefully you do enjoy it. Um, I, what did I watch? Uh, I watched The Hatchet-Wielding Hitchhiker at the weekend, uh, which is on Netflix. And Netflix are punting it it as like... (laughs) Um, It's about this dairy farm. No. Um, So... Uh, Netflix are kind of really punting it as like the biggest documentary of the year, you know, kind of thing. But until the next one, yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, I mean, if you've got an hour and a half to kill and like you've nothing better to do, like it's fine. Story about this guy who gets involved. He's hitchhiking. The guy he's in the car with decides to drive into somebody to try and kill them. It's a person of colour who's standing on the side of the road and he's like uh, racist and um, he, the guy gets out of the car after he's run into this person and these women that were at the side of the road try to kind of hold him back from whatever it is he's going to do and he starts sort of manhandling them and then in pops Kai, our hatchet-wielding hitchhiker and he like attacks him with an axe. And the the strangest thing about this whole documentary actually is how forgiving the whole of the American population is of this guy for having an axe and attacking a, a person with it, even if there was a difficult situation. Like I was trying to figure out if this happened here, what would happen? You'd be like, oh, yeah, it's good the guy stopped him, but he must be absolutely crazy insane some pathological violent person to strike him with an axe three times you know so that was a bit weird like nobody questioned that you know so it's kind of interesting seeing the reaction because he goes like viral basically because he gets interviewed by a local tv network just after it happens um and he's a real character hitchhiker who does the hitchhiker hack the guy that was giving him a lift who Right, who, okay. who drives into... Right, so the guy that is actually a fairly bad guy. Yeah, yeah. But... I mean, arguably so. The guy is a racist and drives into somebody to try and kill him. But stuff transpires later in the in the documentary and you're like, what? About the guy's state of mind and whether he had taken drugs, which Kai may have given to him or not and stuff. And I don't want to give too much away, but like... There is a few twists and turns in it. Um, But anyway, needless to say, it kind of transpires over time that this guy isn't maybe the full shilling and, um, you know, strangely. Um, And yeah, so that's the hatchet wielding hitchhiker on uh, Netflix. Yeah. Is it told through like reconstructions as well? Um, Yeah, like like, not um, dramatised, like just sort of blurry shots and stuff like that. Nothing. um, No, they've loads of footage of Kai. Loads, tons. Um, of, of interviews with different people like he was on the Jimmy Kimmel show the week after this happened like he was like this mega viral superstar for a couple of weeks because he's a real character like a real kind of hippy dippy like va- vagrant you know Um, so and a free spirit you know when did this happen? oh 2018 I think 2018 Um, so yeah just and, and yeah he becomes this kind of this kind of cultural icon for a while because he's got an opinion on everything, but it kind of transpires that he had quite a hard upbringing and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's kind of, it's a bit weird. It's it's more, for me, the most mind-boggling bit was the whole perception of the guy and there's a bit of maybe lack of commentary on how people embrace viral 
video and viral stars and you know whether that's a good thing without actually knowing their motivation or their <laughs> whatever's going on but um yeah so that's that's that and then I also watched that 90 show which I think Stephen is going to cover on the previews uh on Screen Babble Weekend Watch coming out on Friday but this for anybody who didn't watch that 70s show that was out came out in the late 90s and it had a bit of a cult following. I think it ran for like eight seasons and spawned a lot of big stars as well, um, like Ashton Kutcher and that other actress whose name escapes me. Mila Anybody? Kunis. Yes, Mila Kunis. So they've rebooted it, or is it a reboot? Is it a spin-off? Revival. A revival. Sequel. Sequel, okay. Let's go with all of that. But set in the 90s. And it makes me feel really old because the gap between when that was originally aired and when it was set it's even bigger now I think the gap between when this current series is set and now so um I mean in the 90s I was like god the 70s is like (laughs) generations ago uh whereas I do remember the 90s I was there and it's very much set in my sort of teenage years so I really enjoyed it for the sort of nostalgia purposes like the music and the clothes um and the cultural references but Otherwise, it's this the exact same thing. And uh, I mean, familiar faces are great. Red and Kitty, who would have been um, very heavily featured in the original series, parents of, oh my God, what's his name? Eric. They're primary characters again this time because their granddaughter has come to stay for the summer and she's formed a new set of friends and some of them are the offspring of the previous set of friends and you know teenage capers ensue so yeah I mean it's harmless I don't know if I'm going to keep watching it I actually probably won't keep watching it but yeah I kind of like it for the nostalgia but if you're not like you know late 30s 40s then you probably won't have the nostalgia buzz you know so um yeah there you go uh, that's what we've all been watching this week. So we're going to move along to part two of the podcast today. And we're very happy to welcome Heather to talk about the TV event of the year or month, maybe week, uh, Love Island. Hi, Heather. Tell us what's been happening in the villa so far. Welcome to Screen Babble. Hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, Love Island's back. We're all very excited, I can tell. <laughs> we are. Uh, yeah, Love Island's back. It's only been a few months since it's been off, but we're back for our second winter season. Uh, and we're in the South African sun mm. this time, uh, as opposed to the Mallorcan villa where we get our summer season from. Uh, we've got a new host, Maya Jama. We've got mm-hmm. a new host of Islanders as well. Mm-hmm. And we're very early into the series uh, right now. Uh, only two episodes have aired so far. Uh, so it's it's uh, early days for a couple so far, uh, but there's already been some drama in the villa. Oh, yeah, exciting. Not okay, major okay. drama. I'm sure there's major drama to come, <laughs> but uh, a little bit of drama of, of stealing people from under other people's feet. And yes, I did else, see everything this. Everything else that our Love Island fans would, uh, would uh, be familiar with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I did watch the first, I don't know, is it, was the first night maybe an hour and a half? I maybe saw an hour of it and... Um, yeah, oh God, it's, some of it's just so cringy. But like, I obviously, I totally get why people watch it. I watched a series of it myself a couple of years ago and I think once you watch one or two episodes, you're completely hooked. <laughs> it's weird. But because it's that, it's that it's that thing like we used to have with Big Brother back in the day of it's watching people manipulate and contrive and 
try to win whatever it is and it just draws you in but yeah so I'm trying not to watch any more of it or I'll be drawn in so yeah so tell us what about our new host how did she get on how is she getting on so far yeah Maya Jarman she's popular with uh, viewers she's uh, mm. a well-known uh, I guess TV personality that people mm-hmm. um, in that kind of uh, world of Love Island and Pretty Little Thing and Boohoo and everything uh they all yep. love her and I think she was one of the favourites to take over Laura Whitmore when she mm. stood, uh, stood down from the hosting mm-hmm. duties uh, mm-hmm. at the end of last season. And yeah, she's doing, she's doing well so far. She seems to be um, going down pretty well with fans. Um, mm-hmm. I think the boys want her and the girls want to be her. So that's exactly yeah. what Love Island needs. So Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. What Did Laura Whitmore, I think she said something to the effect of I can't, she kind of insinuated she wasn't able to help the situation as an intervene with contestants and stuff. And so she felt a bit constrained and that was one of the reasons she was leaving. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I think it was, um, it was kind of combined with that sanitized looking for other career opportunities as well. Um, But there was a lot of, um, I would say unfair criticism towards Laura Whitmore, uh, especially last season. There was uh, a situation with a contestant named Jax and uh, a lot of people, you know, complaining and off this sort of thing with complaints that he was manipulating, he was uh, gaslighting, this sort of thing. And when he was on the the side show after some with Laura Whitmore, a lot of people were criticising her for not questioning her harder on that and, and, okay. and not asking a little bit more but obviously with Love Island there's such a, a focus on mental health now with all yeah. the stories that have come out that it, it kind of it ties her hands and, and what she can ask on live on TV as well. Mm. And with the previous controversy around ex-contestants taking their own lives and Caroline Flack take your own life and like there's it has had its fair share of controversy so you can kind of see why Laura Whitmore is like maybe this isn't the best thing to be involved with so yeah it'll be interesting to see how Maya Gemma goes this series and if any of the same sort of criticisms raise their heads um but I think like you say it's probably getting sanitized a bit isn't it and they're probably just getting a little bit more uh clever on the protecting their mental health etc they've brought in some new measures this series have they to to address that a little bit yeah absolutely so one of the, the main focuses for um love island this year is the the ban on social media uh, okay. for uh the contestants which um their friends or family would normally run for them while they were in the villa okay um okay. so i think in previous in previous years it's been a bit of an issue with people online basically turning to their social media platforms that they, these friends or family members are running and they're just getting bombarded with hate, even though this person is in the villa. The person mm-hmm. running the account isn't controlling their behaviour. They can't They can't really mm-hmm. say anything on their behalf as well. Um, it's It's been a bit of a problem and it's been increasingly uh, increasingly worse mm-hmm. every, every year. So I think ITV mm-hmm. have taken the okay. steps to sort of eliminate that altogether so every contestant that goes on the uh, on the show this year has a social media blackout until they come back out of the show mm-hmm. okay do you think that might kill the series eventually because people go on there because they want to sort of gain like three million instagram followers and they gain most of that during the series run don't they as people are sort of following yeah. what's going on on instagram and without that i don't see them when the show's already finished, yeah. people are suddenly going, oh, I'll follow this guy. Like, 
now that he's already been out of the villa for like three months. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, it's um, it almost gives the contestants, I mean, it's obviously not them, run, well, it wasn't them running the accounts, but um, it gives them a sort of personality almost mm. away from the villa. Um, I know there was a mm. contestant last year, Akena, uh, and I think it was one of his friends that was running his accounts and every tweet he put up was, it went viral because it was just funny quips about the show you know, yeah. uh, asides that Akena wouldn't have seen um, that people mm. really reacted to. And I think that boosted his following as well. That's interesting. But that kind of talks to the producers probably not liking that being without the, their control. You know, they weren't going to be able to intervene or tell those people what to post, etc. And if they were mm. becoming bigger than the show itself, you know, then that could be a problem for them. But it, when they they say their social media, they can't run their social media can we still follow them if we decide we like one contestant? Can we follow their account and then afterwards? Yeah. Or yeah. are they gone? Yeah. Okay, you no, can. No, I think okay. so. I, th- I don't think the, the accounts are completely blacked out in terms yeah. of um, they're not uh, accessible for, for fans or, or viewers. Okay. Uh, okay. I think it's just okay. a blackout in terms of there's no posting, there's not going to be any updates. Um, right. So I right. think, I get yeah, so it might it might impact it at some, at some point, like you mm. say, Stephen, but I think there could be because a lot of the times when people are just like they're looking at beautiful people on the screen and they go, oh, they've got nice Instagram pictures. I'll yeah. give them a follow, or yeah. I like yeah. their outfits. I'll give them a follow. It might not come mm-hmm. down to whether they've posted recently, okay. um, but yeah. So, so outfits you just mentioned last year didn't they have like a kind of a partnership with eBay? They were gonna they were going all green on us and being like, oh, you know, getting away from the fast fashion thing and um, sort of trying to. Be, have better green credentials and eBay had sponsored the clothing, I think. Yeah. What is happening this year, do we know? It's eBay again. As far as I'm aware, oh. it's eBay that's continuing the uh, partnership with Love Island. So uh, what it is, is all the contestants, I think they bring these um, pre-loved second-hand clothes into the villa um, and the contestants basically choose their outfits for the week mm-hmm. uh, and just use them. And I'm... Um, not 100% sure if they reuse it during the series again mm-hmm. um, or if they get taken away and a new batch gets brought in. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's basically because these fast fashion houses, you know, I previously mentioned uh, yep. Pretty Little Thing, Boohoo, mm-hmm. um, are so closely linked with the show, yeah. especially for, uh, you know, female contestants that come out after the show, they, they wind up with partnerships inevitably with yeah. these uh, with these sort of companies. Mm-hmm. So it is, I think it's to, again, it's the producers trying to cut back on, on that sort of criticism of the show. Yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't stop these fast fashion companies from advertising these glossy adverts during the show, mm. yeah, um, yeah, yeah, which yeah. we still do okay. get. It's, it, mm-hmm. I guess it's um, looking, the show taking a little bit of responsibility for what it can do from its own stance. So, Heather, we're going to have to get you on again in a couple of weeks to tell us what's been happening. But they've all coupled up. There is a, f- a few little blips where people, the format is the boys come out first, then the first girl comes out. She gets to pick whichever of the boys she likes. And then each girl, it's her prerogative to pick whichever boy she likes. So even if he's coupled up before she comes out, she can pick him. And there was a couple of steals and then someone stole someone and they got it done to them. Um, Kai seems a very popular male on the series already um so very little else has happened um since then do you have any inkling of who might be some standout uh characters for this series 
some standouts. I think um, I think Olivia. That's the what, the first um, contestant to to steal in the first episode. Mm. Um, she was quite uh, she's quite feisty and she's quite mm-hmm. um, she's quite open uh, open with her, her thoughts. She um, doesn't shy away from what she thinks. Okay. Um, so uh, I think that's always always a winner for for reality television. Um, mm-hmm. I think in terms of, of couples, Lana and Ron, I actually really like. I think, obviously, mm. we're two days in, so that can change fairly quickly. Yeah, so it's it's, it's very early days, so I'm not putting my eggs in one basket with uh, fair anyone enough, Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, well, I tell you what, we'll get you back on in a couple of weeks again, you can fill us in <laughs> and all the goss. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Heather. Right, uh, Stephen, we go to you for something completely different uh, and back to the future. This week we're talking about Old Studio. Tell us about it, please. Yeah, it's a little bit different to Love Island. It's a little bit different to sort of anything really and it's probably the most out there show I'll do for a Back to the Future because it's it's not very sort of mainstream but it, it did seem something worth revisiting because it is quite... Um, different and sort of speaking about um kaleidoscope earlier it's this is also quite an innovative series in some ways it's uh, basically an experimental series of 10 different um either dystopian or um political satire sort of short films and they sort of range from four minutes to half an hour long Mm. um they're by uh they're directed by uh, Neil Blokamp, who did uh, District 9, Elysium and Chappie. And I think I'm the only person that actually really enjoyed Chappie. Um, but yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they're weirdly, like the first move, the first short film in the series has um, Sigourney Weaver in. And mm. it is sort of very alien-esque, that, that film. It's mm. called Rakan and follows like a, a, an alien invasion that sort of enslaved humanity and these aliens have sort of teleconnect powers. So if any of the humans try to fight back, they can just sort of turn them away. And there's mm. like a band of resistance fighters led by Sigourney Weaver's character who lead the fight back. And then I watched the second episode, which is also really good, which is um, called Firebase. And it's set during the Vietnam War. And there's this like mythical river god who is this horrifying creature made out of like dead human parts and he he was a Vietnamese villager who sort of wasn't interested in the Vietnam War but got caught up in it and was killed um, in a napalm strike and then sort of comes Mm. back to wreak vengeance on the Viet Cong and on the um, American soldiers Mm. I think they're probably the two best episodes of the series there's a few hit and miss ones in there there's uh, Cooking with Bill which is just three like infomercials that get prog- progressively more insane as they go along <laughs> and sort of rely on just shocking, sort of disgusting visuals more than anything else. Uh, there's an episode called God, which is like a comedy about God sort of looking at, it's almost like a board game, but it's the board game is F and he's just. Mm. Like you would Messing with, Sims, with us all. just yeah. unleashing plagues and hurricanes and floods. <laughs> um, Pandemics, yeah. Yeah, really, really good. Some really, really good episodes in there. 
Mm-hmm. Not nece- despite them being really short, not necessarily something you'd want to binge because some of them are really dark. Like okay, yeah. the first and second and the episode called Saigo, which also stars Dakota Fanning, are mm. pretty heavy going. Like mm. uh, it's like uh, just what's the point of living in in a world that that is like that? But okay. it's really well done for like a very independent, I imagine, quite low budget series. Mm. Um, there's 10 episodes in total um, mm. and they're all on Netflix at the minute and I, I would recommend just giving them all a go um, yeah. but there's a couple like um, like Cooking with Bill and like Bad President Oil Spill All My Shit which is just about a president that really doesn't give a crap about his job and he's got like um, sort of strippers in the White House and he, he yeah. wants a pimped out Shocking. private plane mm. with missile launchers on it that kind of thing Sounds like a, a good one for just like wedging in here and there, you know, when you've yeah. got like 20 minutes to spare or whatever. So, yeah. Okay, cool. And Netflix, is that right? Sure, yeah. It's all on Netflix yep. at the minute, yeah. How does it um, compare to Chappie? That's the only one of his films I've seen. Have you and not I... seen District 9? No, just okay. Chappie was... I'm still thinking about Chappie 10 years later or whatever it is now. Well... Yeah. Yeah, he's got a very... Neil Blokamp has a very distinctive style, I think. And, I mean, especially, I would say it's more like District 9. Because I, when I was watching it, I thought, oh, this feels a lot like District 9. And then I realised that it was the same uh, same director. But, yeah, Chappie's also got this sort of, you know, futuristic, out of place. So Chappie's about a robot that... Um, what happens to him? It's been a while since I've watched it. A robot that learns to feel mm. and then he's adopted by Diane Ford and they're like a band and they're playing themselves and it's strange. <laughs> sure. It's, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 This is interesting as well and also very strange. And yeah, there's a few episodes. There's Adam episode two and Adam episode three. There's not an episode in there called Adam episode one, but mm. both of those are a bit sort of androids. Are they really human sort of coming mm-hmm. to life type thing. It, it deals a lot with this sort of artificial intelligence and um, the outsider and things like that. Um, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's very hard to compare it to anything, but I guess, mm-hmm. yeah, the other Neil Blokamp shows, and then like I said earlier, it's a bit like Alien. It's got a bit of Black Mirror in there. But Black, Black Mirror was the thing that was in my head, yeah. yeah, yeah Black Mirror's a lot more fleshed out. And okay. I don't know if you've seen Event Horizon. It's this sort of mm. um, really dark horror film about a, a spaceship that accidentally goes to hell and then comes mm. back with sort of a nightmarish crew. Mm-hmm. The tone was a bit like that in some episodes. Um, I'd also sort of preface it by saying some of the episodes are really gory. So mm. if that's not your thing, then mm. don't watch it. Um, I I hate gory stuff, but I just put my hands in front of my eyes for a bit usually. Is that acceptable? (laughs) Episode two, you'll basically have to have your hand in front of your eyes for the entire thing. Oh, Uh, the the Vietnam episode is is pretty. It kind of depends on how believable the gore is as well. I have to say because if it's really really low budget, it's like yeah, that's well. This is the thing. I don't know what the budget is, and in some Mm. in some ways, yeah, it, it clearly is quite, um, it's not the same scale as Black Mirror or like mm. a movie, 
But then in some ways, it's like, it's really good. Like the effects in the first couple of episodes were really good. Some of the episodes are some like animation style, but like, you know, um, like Beowulf, the film where it's okay, yeah, sort of animation based on real people. In terms of how it's shot and, and everything, most of the episodes apart from Cooking with Bill, I thought were pretty well done and pretty well made and, if it is a quite a small budget, which I suspect it is, they did really well off the back of it. Hmm. What a strange array of programmes we've had on the podcast today, but all very interesting. I'm sure there's something for everybody in there. Thanks for joining us this week. Do look out for our Friday morning Screen Babble Weekend Watch, which will preview what to watch over the weekend and beyond. Stephen will be giving us all his recommendations in a short podcast. If you have any suggestions for what TV we need to get into our lives, drop us a line via our social media. You'll find us on Twitter at National World TV and on all other platforms as National World. We'd love for you to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast so we can reach as many TV lovers as possible. We'll be back again next week with more Screen Babble. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.